Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. morning man that worship man that was awesome it was so good how about that I got a my nose comes out like really far from my face gotta dodge it sometimes with mics so we're just gonna we're just gonna like we're just going to agree with, with God, and we're going to acknowledge, you know, the Holy Spirit is here, and that uh, God is good, and that, uh, and that we're the target of his love. He's good. Thank God. Man. Okay. Let's just pray. Father God. I'm praying from Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite everything in our heart that may be divided, that may be distracted by circumstance, by pressure, by fear, by anger. Lord, Lord, teach us. Teach me your way. O Lord, today, teach us your way that we may walk in your truth. Thank you. Amen. Amen. There's something that's so graphic about that scripture for me. It talks about uniting your heart. If we, I, I see, I talk to a lot of people, and I would, I would feel alongside of them, that sometimes our heart feels a bit divided, uh, constrained, pulled apart, in tension. And God is calling us back. God is calling us back. Walk in your truth. There's been, um, hmm, do I want to put this here now? You know, I want to thank a few people before I get going because this is, a, this is an awesome community we're a part of. Um, it's so funny. I think, have I talked since I talked about divorce? I can't remember. But uh, when I talked about divorce, I said, hey, if anybody wants to talk to me about, you know, if you've got issues with what I talked about, you know, just, hey, come and work on the facility with me during the week. And, uh, and I actually had someone come up and, and, and offer to help me with that. And since then, you know, we had a work beat and other things. And they actually didn't come to debate me about anything I talked about. They just came to work with me. And they came to pray with me. And they actually, we actually prophesied and we talked together and we, we agreed with God about things in each other's lives. And it was, it was super healthy. And, uh, and then the work bee, we had different people volunteer. And then they continued to volunteer. I have to thank a few people right now. And I think it, I think it fits. I think it fits. I can make this fit. Um, Wayne, Briar, what a guy. Ah. We, we had a giant whale that needed to be put on the wall in the kids' area. Wayne did it. Wayne did it. What a man. We now, which means I can say now, we have a whaling wall. <laughs> you don't have to go to Jerusalem. Go over there, take your prayer, just write on a piece of paper, tuck it in the whale's mouth, you're, you're good to go. 
We have Wailing Wall. Um, Stacy Giesbrecht. What a dude. Uh, hey, I just said, hey, we need, to, you know, he did a bunch of stuff, actually. Uh, the other day, he just changed a bunch of lights upstairs. We had 10 lights out. Who, what the, I didn't even know that. I look better, you know, it's about half light. And, uh, and now, now it's full light in there. It's so good. Uh, so thank you, Stacy. That was so good. Um, Travis Vanderveen, landscaping the front gate. Dude. So good. He, uh, he dug the ditch and uh, deepened the moat. And if Westlife Church tries anything on us, <laughs> we are ready this time. <laughs> Cross that moat, buddy. Um, no, it's not like that. We love those guys. They're awesome. And... Douglas Lester and the Senior High Boys, Wednesday night. Okay, so we, if you go back into the South Auditorium, you'll notice it is covered with grass. It's covered with uh, soccer turf. And that all had to be moved out this week, the week that um, I'm responsible for facility and the week that I'm preaching. And um, Douglas on Wednesday night with his senior high boys playing floor hockey. They finished. They cleared the place out. They moved all the furniture out. It took them like 20 minutes. I, can, I prepped today because they did that. That gave me the time I needed to get ready for today. So thank you to the senior high boys in Douglas. You guys rock. You guys rock. All right. Welcome online. How's it going? Uh, if you're in the chat, tell us where you are. And, uh, and uh, bless you. We just join everybody here in, in hand with what's, what God's doing here. And I know that uh, what's happening here flows to anyone that engages their heart with what's going on. Whether it's now or whether they see this later in recording. It's very cool. It's very cool. I want to follow off of something that I believe Pastor Lorne touched on last week. He, he, he dropped a phrase, which I don't know if, he, if there's something he made or he got it from somewhere else. But Christ plus something equals nothing, and Christ plus nothing equals everything, everything. And we want to, we want to build and, and talk about the culture that we have here at our church, and, and one aspect of that culture is discipleship. Discipleship. What, is that, what does that even mean? Quite simply, in, in Greek, the word means that you're a learner, you're a disciple, you're a pupil, you're a student, you're a follower. But the implications for that run so much deeper. And Christ is looking for a heart offered and not given half-heartedly. He's looking for followers that will follow him anywhere that he goes. And I... I've, I've felt over the last week, over the last few weeks actually, that God is calling, I'll say for me personally, he's calling me past techniques and tools of, of Bible reading, of prayer, of disciplines, of routines, all of which I believe in. And even as he calls me from that, I remain continuing doing those, right? Because I'm a grown-up and I can do that. He's calling me to put the emphasis on the relationship that all those things point to. He's asking me simply, 
okay, you're doing these things. You're checking the boxes in your Bible app that you've read. You're reading the Bible in a year and you did it today. Awesome. Awesome. Now I'm calling you, Tim, and will you hear me? Will you take those things that are in there and will will those be your fuel and assist you in obeying me in my call to come deeper with me, Tim? And I'm saying, I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes without even really knowing what that means. And, and that's part of what it means to be a disciple. There's no conditions. No conditions. You, you give Jesus a blank check that you've signed, if you still write checks, and, uh, and he writes whatever amount he wants on that. I'm going to say yes to that. So what I want to touch on today is to do with is simply saying yes to Christ. Simply saying yes to Christ. And just, and just if I could say one thing today, it would be that Christ is calling you closer. Whatever you think close was, there is, there is something uh, that, that is way farther past that. Way farther past that. Right. If you've obeyed him, and that has put you in a place of trepidation and fear, and nervousness, if you've obeyed Christ enough to get you halfway across the river and the water is like up to your nose and you start to get freaked out, he is calling you the whole way across. And, and he is with you. And this is a time to keep your head and to keep your heart. It is a time to trust him like you trusted in the beginning. It's time to trust him now when the water is bumping your nose. It's time to trust him because he is the same God that called you. He's the same God with you. I'll give, you the, I'll give you the punchline now that I was going to say at the end. God is saying, I'm always with you, and all I have is yours. I'm going to finish in Luke at, the, at the end of Luke 15 with the prodigal son, and this is the final statement. To the older son, who was cranky and angry because the younger son got, pulled into the, uh, got received into the house. Well, the older son was angry and thought he was uh, slaving for his work. And the father comes out to him just like he came out and received the younger son. And he said to him, I'm always with you and all I have is yours. There's an invitation for us today. If If you're saying yes to Christ and everything that he calls you to do, there's also an invitation to come in with him and sit with him. There are two chairs I want to talk about in Luke chapter 14 and Luke chapter 15. There is a chair to take and there is a chair to give. Okay, that's so deep. That's so deep and amazing. I wonder what it means. So Jesus, in the beginning of Luke 14, Jesus is sitting down and he's eating with scribes and Pharisees. And they were watching him carefully. Luke 14, verse 1. And they're watching him carefully. And, and they're going to see what he's about to do because um, even as he's dining at their house, someone was sick, so they had dropsy. I'm not quite sure what that means. And uh, is a lawful heal on the Sabbath or not? And he heals him. He says, which of you, having a son or an ox have fallen into a well on a Sabbath, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. He violated, he violated what they thought and believed. Uh, because what they thought and believed was not true. And then he began to tell them a parable. And this is what alludes to this first statement about what a, a disciple is. They're a, a disciple is someone 
that takes their seat, takes the chair that God has offered him. And it's a parable. Let me see if I'm going to read the whole thing. I don't think I will. 14 verse 7, he says, he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed they, oh, no, not that, no, no, sorry. Luke 14, 12. He also said to the man that had invited him, you know what, I'm not even going to start there. Okay, let's just, let's just skip ahead. Luke 14, 16. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all liked to begin to make excuses. And the first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see to it. Please have me excused. And the other said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. That's, I don't need to extrapolate on that. I just have a wife and I just cannot come. So the servant came and reported all these things to his master. Then the master said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. They were already invited. They had already said yes to the invitation. But when it came down to it, there was a second invitation that was sent out. And they said, I'm actually quite busy. Um, as an introvert, I can relate to that. I have said yes to parties. And then gone, when it's time Friday night to go, it's like, ugh. The couch is looking pretty good right now. And, and I've gone anyway, for the most part. Um, they were invited, but when it came down to it, they said no. The seat that was offered to them, they did not take. And you'll see parables after this that talk about celebrations. It said every time somebody was found, they were rejoicing. You know, I found my sheep that was lost in, in 15, 3, and 4, and 5, and 6. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous person who need no repentance. There's the parable of the lost coin in 15.8. What woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin I had lost. So I tell you, there is more joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There is always an invitation going out. There is always an invitation going out. But there's always a question of how, how strongly we'll respond to it. The cost of discipleship is described in 14 and 25. Luke 14, verse 25. He asks for your whole heart. He asks for your whole heart. He asks you to take a seat at his table, and he asks for your whole heart. The quickest way to peace in the middle of being halfway through a river is to, is to ask yourself right now, does he have my whole heart? Or has it been swept away in the turbulence? Has it been swept away in fiery storms? Has it been swept away in questions left unanswered? 
as have been swept away in unsureness. The quickest way to deal with that is not to find the answer you're looking for, but to make sure that your whole heart is given completely over to Christ. 14 verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, is not able to finish. All of you begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king goes out to encounter another king in war and will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the, other del- while the other is a great way away, he stand- sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, if any of you, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. What needs to be left in the river that you're trying to cross? What needs to be left in the river that you're trying to cross? As you're being called into something and through something, what needs to be washed away in the river and let go of? What priority needs to be reorganized? What you see here could be easily misinterpreted. You must hate everyone but Jesus. That is not what he's saying. That would violate the Ten Commandments, for one thing, on your father and mother. Matthew 10, where he talks about this again in a parallel passage, it's about who do you love more. And it's about a reprioritizing of what is important in your life. And no one can do that but you. So he's saying in comparison to these other things, Will you give, and this is the other statement, will you give the seat or the throne at the center of your life to Christ? Will you step out of that chair yourself? Will you, anything that that you believe could help you or save you that is not Christ, would you pull it out of that chair? It could be your boss, your job, your intellect, your, your, your wisdom, uh, your, your savings, it could be your, your family, your children, your wife, anything. Anything that, that, um, that you would say Jesus plus that will make everything okay. Christ plus something equals nothing. Christ plus nothing equals everything. And so Jesus is not taking that seat. He is Asking for it. He is asking for it. And the moment when you might feel it most pointedly, um, it could be in the middle of a river crossing, halfway through with the water up to your nose. This is a great time to go back and go, if I have this and Jesus, I'll be able to sleep at night. What are those conditions? And what else would want to share that seat with Jesus? And I'm just inviting you to just say, Jesus, right now, forgive me. I've taken that seat for myself, or I put my savings in that seat that was meant for you. And right now, Jesus, forgive me. In Jesus' name, I take that thing out of that chair, and I invite you to sit in it. And then you find, with that alignment in your life, that every other thing that he asked you to hate and give up 
comes into its proper place. When he says, father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, those things find their proper place with Jesus on that chair in the center, right? They all begin to shake down into their proper spot. And this is what gives you that, that gifting, that anointing, that guidance to stand strong with the water up to your nose and continue on through the river. This is a, this is a shaking time for some people. And this is a time to make sure that everything is in alignment right now. Right now. There's, there's two ways to fix uh, a shimmy on a car. And I'm assuming that the shimmy is because the wheel is out of balance. Uh, my first car was a Mazda station wagon, 1971. Um, I, it was like, it was built like a rail. And once I put uh, 14 students in it in high school. And you could just simply go like that and, and, and touch both of the doors on either side. And it was a station wagon. Of course, in 1971, station wagons were like, like mini cars today. Uh, at least this one was. And it had a shimmy going down the road. And I didn't know what to do about it. I was not that mechanically inclined, and the tires were kind of bald, and I could see the highway going past my feet because there was a nasty rust hole in the flooring. But uh, it had this shimmy, and I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know it was about weight. It's weights on the hub. Um, but I did know you could fix it by going faster. Because <laughs> the shimmy would start about 80K, and it would disappear around, around 105. And so it's like, it's like uh, it was like, who was the first guy to break the sound barrier? It's like, it's like that movie for the right stuff. It's like you're getting faster and faster. Like the jet is going faster and faster as it hits like almost the, the sound barrier. And it's like, and the, and the dials are cracking and everything is like starting to shimmy. And you can't even read the, the dials are going like this on like You actually can't even read the speed anymore. And then, and then boom, you break through the sound barrier and everything's just calm because you left the sound behind you. And this was like that in my Mazda. As soon as I got past 105, all of a sudden the needle stopped shaking on the speedometer and it just like, and it was smooth again, smooth again. And everything was great until you slowed down past 105 again. And then the shimmy came back because the problem wasn't fixed. The problem wasn't fixed. And you can go harder and you can go faster and you can feel better and you can numb yourself to what's happening. But is Christ still, are you still, have you still fixed that alignment yet in your life? Is Christ at the center of your heart? Is he sitting on that chair that should be offered to him, which he will not demand? Okay? All right. And he asks us to take up our seat. And to tell you what makes it way easier to take the seat that he's given you is if you've given him yours. And these come together in, in the last parable the parable of, of the prodigal son. And it's a story about a son who lost everything that was given to him by his father. And he was prepared to be a servant. And instead, he was given his place at the table. It's a story about an older son who always had a place at the table, but mistakenly thought he was a servant. And he was an angry man. And I bounce between these two things, myself. I love it. I love it when I'm the prodigal son. I love it. 
I love it when God is just, and I'm, I am often, I've been more than once the prodigal son who went away, spent it all, blew it, and came back looking for forgiveness and grace. Um, but now I find myself sometimes, whether because of age or mileage or drama that enters my life and maybe leaves a few marks and scars here and there, that I oftentimes become the older son who gets a little bit angry and cranky, who forgets that they're a son and mistakes himself for a slave. I gave you, I, if you follow me on Instagram, I gave you reading. You were actually supposed to have already read this today by Luke 14 and 15, but, but we'll just, we'll go through it pretty quick here. Let's just, let's assume we all know that the prodigal son is on his way back, that the drought is hit, and all the wild living that he blew all his money on is gone, and he's, uh, he's working on a pig farm, which is pretty repugnant if you're Jewish, and, uh, and he longed for the pods that were fed to the pigs. And he comes to his senses and he says, you know, how many of my father's hired men have food right now? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. I don't think he even repented. He just said, I, I'm hungry and I know where there's food and I need to go home. I don't expect to be a son when I get there. I expect to be a hireling. I expect to be a slave. And his father's response says in verse 15 and 22, it says, The father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. He had nothing left. He had nothing left on that chair at the center of his life. He was done. He came to his senses, and he knew that there was nothing to do but go home. Nothing to do but go home. And he found his chair, undeservedly. Going back to the other parable about, about servants going out into the ditch to find people. Let's find people just to sit in these chairs. I got a chair here, and I love people, and I want them to be with me. Let's put people in these chairs. His son found a chair. His son found a chair. If there's ever a sense of unworthiness in your life, God is ignoring that. He is not seeing you the way you see yourself. He calls you to sit in a chair and eat with him, to be with him. He celebrates when people, he pulled out of the ditch, come and eat with him. He parties with them. He's so happy with them. This is the God that we celebrate. He is nothing like our earthly fathers. I bless our, heavenly, our earthly fathers, but each one of us is a bit of a marred image of the heavenly father. And he is beyond anything we could understand. We need a Holy Spirit, like just an understanding of our heavenly father. Help us understand. In the middle of the river that you are crossing, in Jesus' name, may you receive now a sense of your heavenly Father in heaven towards you. Let him, let him show you what his face is like towards you, whether it's scowling or smiling. I pray in Jesus' name that you would see the scowl wiped from that mental image of your heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May you see him as the scriptures reflect him, smiling, celebrating, as he has searched for you and received you back, found you again. He is search and rescue. He is search and rescue. In, these, in the two, I'm jumping all over the place now and I'm so sorry. In the two Proverbs before, in the two, in the two parables before this, he's either, he's either seeking for a coin or he's rescuing a sheep. And you could be either one of those. And he is, either way, but he's celebrating when he finds you.
He's celebrating. Okay. Now the oldest son was in the field. And as he came, he drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf and has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. The son was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. And I have never disobeyed your command. And yet you have, yet you have never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. All I wanted was a goat. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And you said to him, son, you're always with me, and all I have is yours. Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine and yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead, and he is alive. He was lost and is found. And he is, he is not only waiting for the younger son, but he is, he's entreating the older. He's entreating people that are angry and frustrated with their walk with Christ. When, when Jesus hasn't done what you told him to do, um, he's, he's, C.S. Lewis talks about this in Narnia again and again and again, talking about Aslan, who's an image of, of God. He's an image of Christ. And he says, he's not a tame lion. Is he, he's dangerous. He's not a tame lion, but he's good. He's good. He's not a tame God. He's dangerous, but he's good. And all his love is bent upon you, upon us. And to not accept that is to be angry sometimes. Because it's not under your control. And I pray in Jesus' name for the older sons among who I include myself, that we would, in Jesus' name, walk away from slavery, walk away from attitude of being enslaved to servitude for a God that we don't understand loves us and has actually invited us into the house. I pray in Jesus' name that our ears would be opened as older sons and daughters. We would hear him calling us into the house to enjoy him. We would hear him saying, I am always with you, and all I have is yours. That if older sons and daughters like us are walking through a, a river or halfway through the crossing and the water is up to our nose, we would lay aside every condition upon God and what he must do or not do. And we would place him on the throne of our hearts. And that we would hear, by his Holy Spirit, I am always with you and all I have is yours. In Jesus' name. And I'm just going to begin to close there. You can, thank you, you can come back up. Uh, this is not a complicated conversation to have. Uh, are you the younger son or daughter who was on the throne at the center of your life? Are you the older brother or sister? Are you afraid and angry? Do you feel distant from God and he's silent? Do you feel like you're a slave in your relationship to Jesus and in, in what you do? I do all these things for you, Jesus, and I just don't, I just don't see a thing. Maybe, maybe old techniques. 
maybe old efforts don't pay off. And maybe they never did. Maybe you just thought they did. Maybe we just thought they did. As an older brother and sister, are our hearts and emotions caught up in circumstance? When like Peter, who is, he's like Jesus, if, if you're, he's walking on the water. Jesus is about to pass his disciples in a boat. And, and in the middle of a storm, Peter says, like, if that's you, call me out to you. And, and Jesus says, come. And Peter goes out onto the water. Miracle of miracles, he walks on the water towards Jesus. And then he sees waves and he sees wind, which you can't see, but you can see devastating effects of it. And he begins to be afraid. And I just want to pray. Uh, let, me just, let me pray now. I want to pray for fear in this house. If, if, if you have a sense of fear that it seems to be overriding your joy, overriding your sense of, of, of the joyous walk that we, it is ours to have in Christ. Just stick out your hands. Put out your hands. Father God, Lord, I've, I've been so busy. I've been so frustrated and angry. I've not seen the payoff that I was expecting. I'm scared. Father, I give you your seat at the center of my life. I say it's yours. I shake down everything that would try to be in that seat and I give it to you exclusively. Father, I've obeyed you to get to this place and now, Father, I'm just, I'm just casting myself upon you to carry me. I receive your strength and your love. I thank you that you're always with me and that all that you have is mine. I take my seat at your table in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Um, if, if you happen to be what I, the parable would talk about, the younger son who, uh, who's blown it all, um, who either walked away from Jesus or, or never knew him. Uh, I would love to introduce you. We would love to introduce you to Jesus. If that needs to be reaffirmed in your life or if you've never known Jesus, let's just, let's just stand for a second here. We're going to close right now. If you, if you need Jesus in your life and you've never known him, there's just three things, three things to say, and I've said these before. Sorry, please, and thank you. Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done that I've gone my own way. Please, come into my life Save me from myself and from the things that I've done. Thank you for coming in 
and loving me and living in my life. Amen. 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 I jumped around a lot. I skipped over a few things. But I, I think I got the point across. There's a seat to take at his table that you need very much right now if you're halfway through the river. You need to enjoy him. You need to say yes because he's calling you deeper. You need to just say yes to that. And you need to see what happens after that. Okay? So, Lord, now we bless you. Melissa, come on up. Yeah, we want to, uh, for those of you that are online or here. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.